Hello, everyone. Welcome to the weekly show of Classroom Without Walls. My name is I. I'm the CEO of Classroom Without Walls and the host of this weekly live streaming show. You can also listen to us on the audio-only podcast. Just search Classroom Without Walls. On this show, I interview leading social media, digital marketers, content creators. Business leaders, entrepreneurs, to come here and share with us their best practices, so that we can future-proof our business. Today, I'm really excited to have a conversation with Michael Blankenship to talk about online writing, copywriting, and how we can build a profitable online writing business. And、uh, Michael, he has been generating a steady. Twenty thousand dollars per month as an online writer, which is incredible. And he's also the co-founder of the Tonic, and he's a Forbes featured copywriter. And he writes for Success, Adweek, Addicted to Success, The Goodman Project, and numerous other large publications. And he has also collaborated with. Amazing industry leaders such as ClickFunnels, NewPortal. I love both of them. So really excited to have this conversation to dive into Michael's journey. And frankly speaking, copywriting is something that I wish I learned a lot more before I started my journey as a business owner, as an entrepreneur. So I'm really excited for today's topic. As always. A big shout out to Streamyard for being a sponsor of Classroom Without Walls. Over the last several years, I have tried pretty much all the third-party tools to go live on social media. Streamyard is my favorite, and in the comment section, there's a link that allows you to check out Streamyard for free for two weeks. So check it out. Let me know if you have any questions. We are live on Amazon Live, and we are also. Uh, live on LinkedIn, and we are live on Facebook, on Twitter, on YouTube, and on Facebook, on all the other places. So let me know in the comment section where you guys are joining us live from, social media wise and geographically speaking. A、uh, Mike, without any further ado, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm really excited. You and I we connected through Julia McCoy, and、uh, Julia and I we co-authored this book. So skip the degree, save the <laughs> tuition. So that's I how I, I I just love your story so much. So share with us. And as I mentioned earlier, you have been a copywriter for quite a few years. So share with us what inspired you to pursue. Writing as a career, and how did you even discover your inspiration? Yeah, well, I felt、uh, I feel sort of lucky in terms of how it happened. I was actually I got married at nineteen years old, so I'm twenty seven right now, and I got married at nineteen,、uh, and I was very religious at the time. My intent was to become a minister. And I actually did become the co-pastor of a church for about、uh, for about three years, and、uh, I got to a point where I decided to leave church and leave ministry, and I、uh, just decided that it wasn't for me. And then it sort of left this、uh, big blank space as to what 
I wanted to do. Um, mm -hmm. So I remember, because my whole life I had wanted to uh, do ministry. And so letting that go was a weird transition for me. Um, and so I was probably 20, 24, 23 or 24 at the time. And I remember sitting down in the living room with my wife and, and being like, hey, I don't know what to do. And I was just mm -hmm. laying on the, actually, and then I just laid on the floor. I was like, I don't know what to do. And she's like, well, I think you'd be good at marketing. And that was something I hadn't really considered very much. Um, by the way, can you hear that playing? Is that pretty loud? Yes, I can hear, but it's okay, yeah. Let me close that a little bit. We have jets fly right over our house. Um, so I'm laying on the floor. I'm like, I don't know what to do. She's like, I think you'd be good at marketing. And I knew that I wanted to do writing. Uh, I knew that that, that had always been a passion of mine. I started writing when I was in high school. I've been writing since I was a freshman year. I'm not talking about like academic writing because I was I was not very good in school. I got like B's and C's. Um, I never I never I like yeah I didn't I never really appreciated school um, maybe even as much as I should have. But I I started writing just for fun. It was always just something I I did. I had a blog. Uh, most of it was religious. I read a lot. Um, but yeah, I st I just started writing for a hobby in high school. And so I just loved writing. And I did a lot of writing when I was in ministry for the three or four years. And so I knew I wanted to do that. And there were basically two options in front of me at the time. Uh, and again, I had, I had no idea, like I had done ministry. I didn't have a degree. I, I didn't know, I didn't know anything about marketing. I didn't know anything about content writing or any of this SEO, like all this stuff I know now. I was, I didn't even know it existed at the time. So the two opportunities I saw in front of me were, there was a, there was a position open at the college that I was currently attending part-time. And it was a, just for the, the school paper. And it was like $10 an article. So I, you know, I was willing to pursue whatever. So I went and applied for that. And I was like, all right, well, it's, it's something. And I was also working at a coffee shop as a barista. And I also went, I also was very fortunate to know someone who uh, was a very close friend for a decade. And he had, he was, uh, he was quite a bit older than me, but he had, uh, he, I knew he was making money as a writer and I didn't really know what he was doing. Mm -hmm. I knew he'd been mentioned on Forbes. I knew that he'd been mentioned on Entrepreneur. I knew he was getting paid well. He was making a career of it. I didn't know anything other than that, though. I didn't know what he was writing. I didn't know who he was writing for. I didn't know anything. Um, but I reached out to him. We hadn't spoken in like a year, but I reached out to him. And I said, hey, man, can we just, can I buy you lunch? And can we just sit down and talk about what you do? Like, I, I don't, like, I don't want anything from you. I just want to know what you do and to see if it's even like a path I want to follow. And I was also lucky enough that this guy had seen my writing before because I'd had it as a hobby for a long time. Um, so we'd actually done some like, we were both really religious at one point. So we had done some like uh, religious spiritual type writing together mm -hmm. at one point. So we kind of knew each other's style and, and we're familiar with it. So anyways, I sat down with him and he, he explained to me as you would to a beginner, what he did. Basically he was just doing what I do now. He was ghostwriting for people. He was content writing. He was doing SEO. Um, he was doing some PR to get people mentioned on publications wow. and and I was fascinated by it. I was like, this is, this is crazy. Like, this is amazing. And he told me what he made. And I was like, what? That's like, 
how do you make that much money? That's crazy. Which and, year? Sorry to interrupt you for a second. No, you're good. Year? Which year was that? I'm just curious. Do you remember? What year was this? This was um. This would have been twenty. Man, this was probably. 2016, like maybe late 2016 or early okay. 2017. Yeah, somewhere in there. And um, and so he, uh, so but I wasn't expecting this. He he explains to me what he what he does, and I'm very intrigued by it. And then he says, you know, I have too much work right now. Um, I'd love to have you do some writing for me, and. Like as a ghostwriter, without my byline, but basically he'd teach me the ropes, and I would I would write for him, and uh, I was I was really intimidated to be honest. I had no idea if I could pull it off. I didn't understand. I remember he tossed me my first article that day, and it was about wearable tech, and I, I didn't even know what the hell I didn't know what that meant. Like what's wearable tech? You know, like Apple watches and google glass and all this stuff so anyways it was an article that was going to go on entrepreneur for wearable tech and it was double ghost written it was I, I ghost wrote it for him and he was ghost writing it for someone else so it's just so which is a super common thing i've found out just like you know if the money can trickle down far enough so um anyways i i wrote i i he he i, I told him i said like dude i really want to do it i think that'd be awesome but i just don't know i, I said i don't know if i'm good enough uh, and he's, he just said, you're good enough. And wow. that really gave, which was, uh, I was like, I don't, I don't know if you're right, but like, all right, I'll give it a try. So I remember I went to my coffee shop shift that day, got off around like two or three o'clock and then just stayed at the coffee shop after hours. Cause it was like a local place. So I was really close with the manager. I just stayed there after hours and sat down with the computer and took like three hours and busted out like the 800 word article or whatever. Um, and send it over to him. And that's always been a, that's always been a quality of mine is I'm, I really like to check things off to-do lists. So I, I'm very mm -hmm. like finish it, send it off, uh, which has served me well in some regards and not in others. So anyways, I sent it off and I was just like, all right, let's see. And it was in a Google doc. And I remember watching in the Google doc as he was looking at it and making edits and stuff. And I was like, oh, I'm so fired. It's over. You tried Mike. Good try, buddy. Because he was just tear like he was rewriting stuff. He, I mean, it was like, like he probably rewrote fifty percent of the article at least. And uh, and I just remember being like, oh man, well that's it. And then he called me, and he was like, hey man, uh, great job. And he sent me a hundred bucks for it, and he sent me another project, and. Uh, and this went on for this went on for like six or seven months, and I got up to about probably he was paying me in the end he was probably paying me fifteen to seventeen hundred dollars a month for like six or seven articles, uh, and I just kept learning. I just like I got he he's he's one of the toughest editors still today. Like working with him, he's one of the toughest editors I I've ever worked with, um, and I've worked with a lot of people, but he's a He's tough. He knows what he wants. Um, so that was really good for me because it was it was hard. Uh, but he stuck with me and I stuck with him. And I remember every month, like I really think it would have it wouldn't have lasted as long as it did. But because he kind of he would like pay me and then and then he would just kind of be doing his thing. And I would just come because we I was lucky enough again to work in the same co-working space as him, like right next to him. Almost my desk was pretty close. 
So I would just go up to him and be like, hey man, what's on the plate for this month? And he'd be like, oh yeah, let's sit down. And I don't think he would have, like, I think he would have just spaced it if I hadn't every month been like, hey, what are you giving me? What are you giving me? And that's something I found with a lot of people is they don't have that, that just persistence of like coming to the client or the person and being like, all right, what do you got? I'm ready. Let's do this. Um, Cause people are busy and they forget. So, so I did that and that was for six or seven months. And, uh, and then it was this funny thing that happened where one of this guy's clients who I was working for, uh, who I had written ghost written content for through him, uh, friended me on Facebook, like the CEO of the company friended me on Facebook. Wow. And I was like, why is he friending me? And then I found out that he had found me through, uh, through the guy I'm working for on Facebook. Cause we had interacted and then, and, and he had some suspicion that maybe I was doing some ghostwriting and stuff. So anyways, I reached out to this guy and I was like, Hey man, I've been, I didn't tell him directly that I'd been a ghostwriter for, uh, for this, for my clients. I'm trying not to mention too many names on this. Um, but anyways, I tried not to tell him the, the CEO that I was ghostwriting for him. Um, but I just reached out and said, Hey, I'm a writer. You know, do you, uh, and this company, I can say the company, this company was carrot, just carrot.com. And they're still one of my clients. Yeah. Uh, my longest standing client actually. So, so I reached out to them and, uh, and again, this was like in 20, 2017 or 2016 or something. And, and was like, Hey, like you friended me. It's nice to meet you. I'm a writer. I'd love to like, yeah, this is exactly. Um, so I write all of this stuff. I've written a ton of articles for them. So I'm like, Hey, I'd love to talk with you about like, do you need a writer? I, I've been freelancing, but I'd love to go full time at the, at the time, you know, I didn't really, I, I just wanted a full time gig at doing what I was doing. I wasn't really set on freelancing or anything. Mm -hmm. So he was like, it, like Kara was in the early stages. There were probably like seven people at the company at the time. Now there's like 50 or something, but there were only like seven. And he's like, well, you know what? He's like, well, do you want a job? Ha ha. He's like, we're looking for a writer. Mm -hmm. And he lived just three hours away from where I was living at the time. So he was coming into town in a few weeks to visit family. And he was like, let's meet at a coffee shop. So we met and, um, and I remember that everything went great and he like wanted to hire me. But then I, and I asked, uh, asked my client if I could, or my, my, the guy I'm writing for, I asked him if I could mention that I was the writer behind the content. And he was like, yeah, go for it. He didn't care, uh, which was amazing. And so I told him that and everybody was cool with it. And, <clears throat> but then after like two hours of talking to this guy, everything seemed really good. And then he was like, he was like, well, uh, he's like, well, well, let's just see how things go. I don't want to steal you from, you know, the other guy I was working for, but I'd love to work together in the future if something happens. And I was kind of disappointed by that. I went, I left and I was like, man, I really was hoping that this would turn, turn into a full-time gig. And I talked mm -hmm. to Ma Michaela, my wife, I, I was even talking to my parents, I think, because we went out to dinner with them that night and just asking for advice. And I don't remember who it was, but my, it was either my, my wife or my dad who said, uh, who told me just to reach out to him and tell him what I wanted. And I was like, you know what? That makes a lot of sense. Cause I don't mm. have anything to lose at mm. this point. Like not any worse for wear. So I reached out to him and I said something to the effect of, Hey man, had a great time meeting you today. It was really fun. I would really love to work with your company. Um, I think it would be awesome for you guys and for me. And I said, 
I'd like to start writing articles. I'd like to start writing four articles a month for you for the next three months. And if you're happy with those, I want to come on full time at 40K a year. And he was basically like, sure, let's meet about it. And then they basically Aww. agreed to those terms. So, um, so that was really cool. That was like crazy to experience. And, uh, and then, uh, yeah, I, that's what happened. I came on, I was full time for them for, uh, for about probably about eight months. And then I got another offer at another company that was $60,000 a year. And I ended up taking that and going there. Uh, but that was like a content mail. So I was writing 4,000 words a day uh, for that company. And it was horrible. It was hell. Like I had to edit my stuff. It was just, it was drudgery. I like, I had like three mental breakdowns in three months I was there. And then, and, and I was like, I, I wanted to leave so bad. So I texted the CEO of Carrot and I was like, Hey man, I need out of here. Can I come back? <laughs> and he was like, yeah, we'd love to take you back. And I, and, and, and they brought me on uh, for 60, which was uh -huh. like, so I got like a 20 K raise because I left for three months, which like is crazy. Um, but that's how it happened. And so I, I came back for 60 and he also added on, like at that point, he also added on uh, like incentivized bonuses. So essentially I was making 75 if I hurt, hit certain like extra goals. And I always hit those cause that's the way I am. So, um, so yeah, I ended, I like, I worked there for another, I think I worked there for like another year. And during that year I had my daughter um, and my, so a few things happened. I had my daughter and my wife and I really wanted to not become too, uh, we didn't want to settle down yet. Like we really, we mm -hmm. were still young. We felt like we wanted, we didn't want, like we, we love our daughter, but we didn't want her to make it. So we weren't living lives that we're excited about. And so we did some crazy things. The first thing we did is when our daughter was nine months, we, uh, we traveled to Australia, which is like 17 hours away. And we'd never been out of the country except for a cruise to Mexico. So we, we were, I don't know. And we did it for a month because uh, I worked remote for Carrot full time. And my wife was just a stay at home mom. So that's partly what influenced it was mm. we're free so we can go wherever and be wherever. So we went to Australia for a month and it really opened our eyes to just how big the world is and how much there is to see. Like, We'd grown up in this small town of 40,000 people and um, going to Australia for a month, driving on the left side of the road, like, like it just opened our eyes and made us, it, it just was like, wow, we, we got to do more of this. This is the best thing ever. Like we felt so alive to be mm -hmm. doing something that was kind of crazy. And, and you know, the flight with our daughter was like terrible, but then you have a month to enjoy, That's you know, right. like it, it was, it was worth it, you know? So, um, so anyways, we went to Australia and then about six months. And then after coming back from Australia, we really did not like our hometown. We were like, we got to get out of here. We got it. We got to be bigger than this. And so we left our, uh, so after six months, we were just complaining and griping about our hometown for like six months. And we owned our house there. We had bought it. And like, um, so we were kind of, and our, all our families there, my wife's parents, my parents, my, br uh, my brother and sister are there, her brother's there. So everybody's in this, in this town. And we had a, this is awesome. We had a trip booked to go to Rome for a week, just a vacation uh, in August or no, I'm sorry, in September of 
2018. So this is 2018. In September of 2018. And one month before we set to leave, we decided that we just weren't going to come back. And um, it was a crazy conversation with my wife. I, it was one month before. And, uh, and she's like, what if we just don't come back? And I was like, let's do it. So, so I called, called our real estate agent and was like, hey, uh, can you sell our house? It was a good market at the time. He said, yeah, I probably can sell in a couple months. I was like, all right. I called my boss at Carrot. I said, are you going to fire me if I go, if I'm in all these crazy time zones and working at different times and stuff? And he said, nope, if you keep putting out good work, I don't care where you are. Um, I just sort of tried to make sure like everything checked out and sure enough it did. And, uh, and so we did it. We, we sold our house. It was crazy. We sold our house. We'd never been to Europe. We didn't know anything. Um, but we lived in Airbnbs for 15 months and we visited, I think it was like 12 or 13 different countries. Uh, and we didn't touch foot in the U.S. in 2019, um, so it was it was an amazing, amazing experience. And about about two months into doing that, I or it was probably three months in, I had started taking on when we left. I I, I just started like taking on some freelance clients on the side, and uh, it got to a point where I'd taken on enough that. I did I like I didn't I was like full time at Carrot but like I wasn't working full time. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Cuz I had the other client like I was probably working like 3 hours a day for them. I mean it was it was not very much. Yeah. So I I I I didn't feel very good about that. So I I just reached I well it, so I think what happened is my risk threshold in doing the traveling really increased and mm -hmm. I became much more comfortable with risk. And so I I got to a point where I had too much work. I had too many clients. I liked all of them. And I also had full-time carrot. So I reached out to my clients and I doubled my rates. And I had like three clients at the time. And I, I said, this is my new rate. And I was hoping one of them would fire me because I didn't have the bandwidth to do all of it. All of them agreed to it. <laughs> so, so I was like, are you kidding me? Um, and that was an eye opener for me where I was like, okay, I'm valuable to these companies. I think I can do this freelance. And again, my wife was like, why don't you just see if Carrot will do freelance with you? So I called uh, I called the CEO and I talked to him about it. And I said, hey man, here's what's going on. I don't feel right about you know doing this when I have all these clients on the side. I'd love to just do freelance with Carrot and, um, and, and like do that. And he was down for it. He was like, sure, let's do it. I mean, just a great guy. And, uh, and so we did. And I ended up, I remember I'd always wanted to hit like over the hundred thousand dollars a year mm -hmm. marker. That was always like a marker that I had my eyes on, mm -hmm. but I didn't know how to do it. Cause I was like at 75 with Kara, which was cool, but I, I just wanted to like increase that. And so I remember like a few, a month or so into freelance, I was just like in sending invoices and I added up the amount and it was like, it was like 10,000, I think. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I, and I like, and I like did them 10 times time 12. I'm like, babe, we're making over $100,000 a year. I was like, I can't believe it. It doesn't feel like it. Like it was just crazy. It was crazy. I was really excited. Um, and then after that, uh, from there, it was just, yeah, it just continued on that journey. I, I got to like, uh, while we were overseas and at the end of uh, 2020, let's see, 2019, because beginning of 2020, we came back to the US. 
So end of 2019, I was making about 12 or 13 a month, uh, really consistently. Um, and then 2020 and COVID hit and we moved to Hawaii. So we, we were in Hawaii. We've been in Hawaii for all of 2020 and all of this year, um, which has been great. And we love it. I feel very lucky. We're a 10 minute walk from the beach and it's like, it's, it's awesome. Right. It's amazing. Yeah. We're, we're very, very grateful for it. Um, and so this year I was able to just kind of like, I, I wasn't, you know, when we were traveling, like every day we were going out and doing touristy things. Like, like what's crazy, like, it's just, I, I was, I was probably working like two or three hours a day and making 12. Like it was, I mean, it was just like freelance as, as a writer is just great if you, if you know how to do it. Um, so, so now in 2020, I was able to kind of hunker down a little bit more and spend more time writing and, um, and now I've gotten to about 20,000 a month, but that I did hit 25 one month. I hit 25 in December last or yeah, wow. in December last year. Um, but, uh, that was a lot. <laughs> that was like a heavy month. So I feel like I've really sort of hit a cap and I'm not sure what like the next thing will be, but yeah, that's kind of the story. I know it was long winded, but, uh, that's the story of how it happened for me. I am just like sitting here feeling so inspired and by your story, Mike, on so many levels. First of all, you didn't even go to college and now you, you don't have any debt, I assume, and you're making this good income. You are you were traveling with your family, enjoying life, and now you are doing what you love. What an incredible story. So like, I, I want to unpack this a little bit because there's so much that we can talk yeah. about. So when you started your journey, you were being paid like $10 per article, right? Mm -hmm. So now you're making like regularly like $20,000 per month. So if you can kind of reflect on this incredible journey at such a young age, and what do you think are some of the major factors that really contributed to your success? If you can kind of summarize a few key points for us, because I can, I'm reading everyone's live comments, everyone's feeling very inspired. So if you can summarize a few key points for us, that would be great. Yeah, that's a great question. And that's something I've mused about a lot over the last couple of years is just why have because I, I, I've just spoken with so many. I've spoken with so many. I'm seeing these comments come through. Thanks, everybody. That's very nice. Um, I've spoken with so many writers or, or beginner freelancing writers who really are struggle um, to sort of get their you know get their career started. Uh, it's such a and, and I think it's something that a lot of people want to do too. And I think there's plenty of opportunity for everybody to do it. In my case, you know, I, I definitely, I definitely don't discount uh, luck by any means. I, I do think there was there was a there's a certain amount of luck in my case that contributed has contributed to my success. If I if I'm going to point to things I did intentionally or things that you know other people could replicate, I think that uh, I think that networking, mm. like that's the first thing that comes to mind. Um, I, in the beginning, when I when I started this journey, I was insane with networking. Like I was on a call with someone new every day for like months on end, every day uh, for various reasons. Sometimes I would find someone interesting and I would just 
message them. Most of this was through Facebook. I would message them and just ask to pick their brain because I was, mm-hmm. and I would always use the excuse that I was new. I'd just be like, Hey, I'm a new freelance writer. I'm, I'm just trying to learn this. Like, could I pick your brain for 30 minutes? I probably promise I don't have anything to sell. Like, and most people, a lot of people were really open to that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was, and that was huge. Like one of the things I did, and this is a strategy I really encourage new writers to do is I, I became for better or worse, I became obsessed with getting published on entrepreneur or success. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why it was something that a friend of mine who was a writer had done. And, um, and I just, I had this idea that if I could, if I could get published on one of those, I, I like my career would be set. Right. Which it was not true, but <laughs> the, the benefit to that was, um, and I stumbled across this sort of unintentionally, but now I see the value of it. The article I wrote, actually, uh, you probably can find it. It was for success.com. It got published. It's a 22, I think it's 22 entrepreneurs reveal their worst habit. And uh, this was an article I wrote. It's probably under Mike Blankenship. This was an article I wrote uh, because I just, I really only had to write the intro and conclusion. And I thought the title was catchy. And I thought that success or entrepreneur would accept it. And, uh, but I interviewed probably 30 or 40 people, not everyone's included, uh, for this article who were entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. And that alone was like massive in terms of networking. Like it just, it just plunged me headfirst into the, you know, entrepreneurial startup world, which is a great place for a content marketer or writer to be a part of, um, and also, like when you hop on a call with someone, yeah, this, uh, uh, let's see, yeah, 22 entrepreneurs reveal the worst habit. That's the first one. So that was in 2017. Yeah. So when, um, when you interview these people on the phone, like you build a connection, you can't build messaging over social media. It's a different connection, it's a person to person connection, and it's super valuable. So you can mm-hmm. see, like, all the people on here Leonard Kim, Ulysses, Trevor Mauk, CEO of Carrot, he's in there. Um, yeah. 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 And, and so I got to meet all these people on video calls and phone calls and it was, uh, and Jacob McMillan, he's, he's a really close friend of mine now for four or five years. Um, he came to my show a few weeks ago. Oh my goodness. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. He's, he's a really close friend. In fact, if you want to learn about freelance freelancing, he's, he's the person I highly recommend actually. Um, but yeah, uh, so I, I like, I think that people, freelance writers sometimes get intimidated by the idea of going and writing an article like this for the purpose Mm -hmm. of interviewing or speaking with, or getting to know or networking with people who might hire you later, or just will be good to know in your career. Um, but the truth is that getting on these publications is not that hard. That's, that's truth number one. Um, if you want it, right. I, I pitched, I probably pitched eight articles before I got published, but like it, you know, in terms of your entire career, eight articles. And now when I pitch, they accept stuff much easier because they know me. And, but mm-hmm. I was determined. I, you know, you can't be afraid to ask and you can't, and more importantly, you can't be afraid to ask again. Um, so you have to, if you want it, just go get it. Right. And, uh, that's, that's what I did in this case. And, 
And so for a lot of those articles, I like it's more than the 50. I probably interviewed like 70 or 80 people total um, during that time. And uh, that was just hugely valuable. It I got clients out of that. There was work that I got. Um, so that's a, that's a strategy I highly recommend. Like choose a publication you want to be on. Um, come up with an article idea that's going to require you to interview some experts. And then just reach out to people, like whoever you can think of. Reach out, ask ask uh, if they know anybody, ask if they're open to an interview, start friending people on Facebook who look like maybe they would be a fit. Um, there's really no wrong answer here. Just like, just, and then, and then even if it doesn't get published, like let's say you do all the interviews and it doesn't get published, 95% of people aren't going to care. No, they don't care. Like they, you know, they, it's not, it's not that big of a deal. It was, it was, it was a, uh, it was a gift from you anyways to do that in their eyes. And they're not going to, they're not going to be mad at you if it doesn't work out. So that's that's a strategy I always uh, always tell people to to do. Um, yeah, I I love those two strategies you share. One is networking, which is great. I think, especially since last year when people couldn't travel, I think you know practicing digital networking going to LinkedIn, which is my favorite place, or go to Facebook, connecting with those people doing interviews. I also really love the second strategy, which feels a little bit intimidating. You said it is not hard to actually pitch those large publications, but I think to many people that feels like even success.com, you are also like Forbes, Adweek and Success <laughs> and Addicted to Success, Goodman Project, those are some really large publications. And like, how, how do you even discover like who is the person to reach out to? Do you yeah. just like, like find their names from like, can you share that with us? Give us some tips because I think that is an amazing, excellent tip. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. And I understand that hesitation. I, I, these publications are definitely put on a pedestal and it's easy to think that everything that goes on there is like, you know, triple a quality and just absolutely amazing. Um, the, I uh, like the truth is that the best the best thing you can do is write a great article and send it to mm. these editors. Um, so the first thing you do is choose like three publications you want to be published on. And then what I did is I went to those publications and for a few weeks I would read an article on them every morning. Mm. And I, would, I just wanted to get a feel for their style because these publications are very systematic in terms of the mm -hmm. content they publish. They know what their audience wants. They know what works and they, they're looking and they're looking for stuff that fits that. So if you can write something with a catchy title, that's mm -hmm. interesting and valuable to their audience, they're just not going to say no, because they need that content. That's right. So it's really valuable to them. Like you, you're actually providing something, you're providing a free essentially service for these publications. And so, yeah, I, I would start by reading the publication. So get a feel for their style, figure out what they talk about and look for some sort of gap, right? Mm -hmm. So in the case of success.com, I saw listicles of interviews with these entrepreneurs about their best habits and how awesome they were and, and you know, mm -hmm. all this stuff. And I thought, well, like, you know, what would be really interesting is let's talk about like their bad habits. Like, let's mm -hmm. talk about why you can still be successful if you have some bad habits. Um, Cause that's something I, I believe. And, uh, and I think sometimes we, we, 
put these people on a pedestal and think that they're perfect. That's right. And uh, and so I thought that would be really appealing. Um, and actually, Entrepreneur rejected the article. I pitched it to them first, and they said no. But then I pitched it to Success, and I was very excited. It took like three weeks to get a response and four follow-ups. So this is not something that like you send one email and then two days go by and oh didn't get accepted. Uh, these editors are extremely busy, and mm -hmm. following up is super critical. Um, so. I, I just, uh, I, I literally went to their website. Like most of these websites have email addresses you can send mm -hmm. this stuff to. Um, and then I sent it I, and I sent, and I recommend sending the full article, uh, especially when you're a new writer. Mm -hmm. If you have some experience and rapport with that publication, then you can say, hey, can I write this one? They'll be like, yep, go ahead. That sounds great. But if they don't know you, um, they're not going to say yes to a title because they don't know if you're going to, yeah be like a good enough writer. So you have to send them the full, like just, I just sent over the Google doc. I'm like, here's a title, here's a Google doc, uh, you know, make it so it's view only. And then, uh, and, and just, and send it, send it to like five publications. Don't send it just to one and then follow up every week uh, for three weeks. And the way you follow up is you just resend the same email in the same thread. You don't need to say anything, just resend it. That's all I did. I would just copy and paste into a new, you know, reply to the same email thread and then send it. And nobody minds. They, they know you're just following up. It's not a big deal. Um, so, yeah, that's that's kind of that's how I do it. That is amazing. I feel you just give us like a million dollar answer to a million dollar <laughs> question. And uh uh, amazing. I, I can't wait to, you know, put this into practice myself and also help my students to implement this because I do feel like it is such a great way to help you build brand authority. I mean, you talked about this, right? Brand authority in quite a few like interviews, articles. So do you feel like having your name appear, you know, Forbes, Success, like that has really helped you build your authority as a copywriter in the industry, really like boosted your business. I do. Yeah, I think. Uh, and that's mm -hmm. why I've done it, um, because I do think it has an impact. And and particularly, you know, when you're going to talk to someone, when you're going to talk to somebody who is considering hiring you, if mm -hmm. you can say I've written for you know, entrepreneur and success and all this stuff, all of a sudden they're like, oh, I'm not talking to like some willy nilly freelancer. I'm talking to one of the best in the business. And that's the feeling you want them to have. Cause then that's how you command a good rate. And that's how you, um, that's how you get respect for what you do. And that's when they look at you as the expert. So I do think I, I a hundred percent think that's worth because that'll never go away. That portfolio was going to stay with me for the next couple decades. You know, as long as those publications are around, I, I can use that. Um, so I do think it, yeah, I would say yes. I do think it has boosted uh, my my standing. Definitely, you know, as I was getting prepared for our interview, I was Googling you. I was like, oh my God, holy cow, that's crap. Like, like crazy amount of like publications and that you have involved, which is incredible. So besides those large publications, you also collaborated, as I mentioned earlier, you know, ClickFunnels, which I love, Neil Patel, which I also love, and probably some other big name influencers in the industry. So how did those collaborations came to you? How did they even discover you? Or did you follow the same strategy, kind of yeah. drafting the article, reach out to them? Can you share that with us? Yeah, yeah, I mean, um, 
yeah, I feel very lucky for a lot of that. ClickFunnels is still a client, actually. If you go to their blog, you'll see my face on a lot of the articles. I did. I was like, oh my god, because I yeah. use ClickFunnels all the time for yeah. all of my funnels. I love them. Me too. They're great, and they're great internally too. They're just an awesome company, uh, authentically. I really like them. But yeah, so I um, I it's it's funny. I feel so uh, I feel very lucky. The thing because I don't have a website. Like I don't, uh, I don't market myself. Um, I don't really do anything, <laughs> which is, is you you know, makes you a story. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's a funny thing. Uh, and, and, and like the truth is that my newest client, my newest client is like six or seven months old. Um, and they, and, and so, and my oldest client is carrot, which has been with me since, you know, I've been working with them since 2016 or whatever it is. So, th so it's been a, uh, it's been crazy. Like people the the value, um, the bulk of what I do is SEO writing. So mm -hmm. it's, so it's writing for these, for my clients with the goal of driving traffic through Google. Mm -hmm. And the beauty of that is that it never ends. Mm -hmm. So there really is no, there really is no point where a client's going to say, okay, we we're done. We did it. SEO is working. Adios. Like they'll always need, there's always new content. And if there's not new content, mm -hmm. content needs updated. Um, there's always new stuff to, to write and to do. So my goal with these clients, these big name clients is to, uh, I, I want to, as best I can, um, you know, entangle myself in their company as, mm -hmm. as a, an easy source of good writing. I want to make it easy for them to uh, come to me, to contact me. I want to be quick to respond. I want a fast turnaround time. I want good quality. And that's something I just really focus on with all of my clients. Um, every single client I have, I'm also in their company Slack group. And that's just something because I want, like a lot of freelancers operate from a place of, you know, I'm my own business mm -hmm. and I don't want my client to control me and, uh, and I'm going to do my own thing. So I'm going to keep my distance. Uh, you know, and that's fine. You know, that's for, uh, for some people that works well, but I think it does typically result in a higher turnover rate. So mm -hmm. you're going to be having to hunt down clients more often. In my case, I, you know, I, I don't work with clients. I don't want to work with, uh, all of my clients are, are genuinely friends. And I, I can say that authentically, like every single client I work with is, is also a friend. Like we would go out and get beers together type of thing. And, uh, and that's, that's just because I, I really try to, and uh, entangle myself in those environments. I want, I want to, uh, I want to be their writer, right? I want to be their unofficial full-time writer. Um, and, and that just seems to, um, work in terms of retention very, very well. I, I also, I also, I think in terms of getting new clients and landing some of these bigger things, um, cause I have lost some clients and gained some over the last, you know, four years or whatever it's been. Uh, and, um, in terms of that, like, I, I just always, I just always am constantly looking for opportunities, right? Because I have a wife and daughter. My wife is a stay-at-home mom, and um, so I'm the source of income. So I have a, I have a very large sense of, uh, uh, you know, urgency in terms of supporting my family. So I am always, I, I never ever shirk an opportunity ever. Mm -hmm. If if someone emails me, if I get a referral from a friend, um. Or if I hear that there's someone who needs a copywriter, I'll always pursue it, even if I know I don't have the time to do it. 
I'll always pursue it because there's been times where I pursue it and I'm like, I have no idea how I'm going to take this on if they hire me. In fact, that's what happened with ClickFunnels. When I was pursuing ClickFunnels, they wanted a ton of content. I was like, there's no way I can do this. And like a week before I was going to have my call, my official call with them, one of my other clients dropped off. So it was like the timing was, you know, if I hadn't pursued it, like I, I just really believe that the universe is going to give me what I need when I need it. Um, and, and as long as I respect those opportunities. So I just try to really respect when people trust me enough to bring those opportunities to me. The other thing I should mention that's been super valuable is I, I also have been uh, super because of my work with Carrot, which is a SaaS company that serves real estate investors. I've become super um, entangled in the real estate niche. So mm. I'm like, I, I, and now I write for Carrot. I write for, uh, I write for, let's see, four of my clients, four of my six clients are real estate in the real estate niche. So they're serving investors Actually, they're all serving investors. They're all serving real estate investors. Some are SaaS companies, some are coaching companies. Some are, uh, there's one that's a call center. There's one that, and two of them are SaaS. But yeah, real estate. So what's happened, and by the way, I don't invest in real estate, not mm -hmm. like professionally. Um, but I know because of my time at Carrot, I know a ton about it. I just have a wealth of knowledge about Carrot or I'm sorry about real estate investing uh, that I didn't intend to build up. But what's happened now is people look for writers in my name. Like you said, is all over carrots and carrot is huge in the real estate investing. There's like every realist, most real estate investors know of carrot. Um, and so what happens is they go to carrot, they look at who's writing their content. They're like, Oh, he's writing theirs. Maybe he can write ours. And in my bio at carrot, it says I'm a freelance writer. So they're like, all right, well, let's go check them out. And so I've gotten, I've gotten like three clients just because of that. Um, like that's a, that's been a hugely. So whenever you can, uh, I mean, there's a few lessons from that. The first is try to get your byline as much as possible. Like the more often your bylines out there, especially on SEO stuff, because people are going to find that passively for a long time. Um, the better because they're going to find you like, and the people who find you won't always be people like there'll be pe marketers and entrepreneurs and, and CEOs looking at this stuff. So if they see your name and they like the article and they need a writer, they'll be like, Oh, I should reach out to this person. And that, that happens often. Mm -hmm. um, the other lesson is uh, to, you know, it, there's value in niching down. It's not something I've done intentionally. It's just sort of something that happened because of my time at carrot, but I have noticed that there's just a ton of value uh, and, and ease of getting hired mm. because I know, have so much knowledge about real estate investing mm. because they're not, they're just not going to like, that's such a unique, yeah, yeah, yeah. like um, knowledge to have for a freelance writer. And so having that, like every SaaS company, uh, that every real estate based SaaS company that needs a writer you know, not everyone, but a lot of them come to me and they're like, Hey, we need a writer. Cause I just, I have my name on those and that leads to having my name on other stuff. So anyways, get your name on stuff and, you know, don't be too afraid to niche down. Although obviously be open to whatever comes your way. 
I mean, I just love it, Mike. As I listened to your story, you know, you said that you don't even have a website, you don't even market yourself, and uh, but most people when they start their business, they spend hours right trying to fix a logo, trying to make their website look pretty, prettier, and doing all those things. But you are here, like making really good amount of money without anything like that. So it is really, really incredible. I also feel fascinated that you didn't go to college. To study this, so like you mentioned、uh, that you had this in the early days, you had this amazing mentor editor who was really responsible and just like really hold you accountable. So besides this person, like how are you learning and improving your own craft? Do you take online programs or certification programs? So how did you learn? How did you improve your skills as SEO? Copywriter, you know, like how, how do you do that? Yeah, so I've always been a, a massive、uh, self learner.、Mm. Um, I just I I've I I'm not like CEO level of reading, but I've read like ten or I think like nine or ten books this year so far.、Um, so I mean, I just and I listen to podcasts whenever I drive.、Mm. I I mean, just every opportunity, and, and it's not it's not like. It's just something I love. It's just something I've always enjoyed. I start. My dad used to buy me books when I was in high school, and I just devour it, like nonfiction books, not fiction.、Um, so, and I just devour them. I just, I just found, I just find stuff fascinating. I just really、mm-hmm. like learning different things. So, so that's been a huge asset for me,、um, just to like have that desire to learn.、Uh, and in terms of what I did, I mean, there's, there's some, there's so much out there today、mm-hmm. for people who want to learn. To write,、um, and like college for what I'm doing. I mean, college is people can do whatever they want to do, but I, I think that college is a little bit silly to do what I want to do, right? <laughs> like, I, I have an associates, I think, in communications or something, and I've like I've, I've never used it. I've never shown it to anyone. I don't. I'm not even sure I have it actually.、Um, so, so, but it's just you know you don't need it.、Um, There, there's a great book by Anne Handley called I think it's called Everybody Writes. I highly recommend that. That's a great book.、Um, in terms of like getting started for freelancing and stuff, Jacob McMillan is the guy I always recommend、mm-hmm. to people. His website, JacobMcMillan.com,、um, and I would recommend my own stuff, but I don't have anything.、Uh, his stuff is awesome. Like he's he's genuinely trying to help people. His content's great. He's done what I've done, like the same thing. Um, and he and he has a more like systematic approach to it, so he is like highly recommend him. The other one I recommend that I have just looked to for inspiration a ton over the years, and actually wrote written for as well. I wrote their most shared article in 2018, actually,、um, or yeah, I think it was 2018. But that's SmartBlogger.com.、Mm-hmm. Um, John Morrow, the CEO of that,、mm-hmm. is probably the best writer on the internet today.、Um, Absolutely phenomenal, and you know he's he's paralyzed completely, and he's like, and he writes with his like he has this thing or something he writes with his face. I don't really know, but I mean it's just his story is also incredible. But highly recommend all of Smart Blogger stuff. Their courses for writing, their courses for creating a blog, like all of that is just fantastic.、Um, so just be a self learner, like buy books as much as you can. The other thing is write. I mean, like you can't. I, I know so many people. Yeah, there's Jacob McMillan. 
I know so many people. By the people. way, starting Fabio, he also came to my show. I'm going to share the link in the comment section. He dropped Sweet. so much value. And this is a smart uh, blogger. I also love him. And John, he has an incredible story being paralyzed. Oh, man. And, you know, this incredible online business as a blogger. And just like, yeah. like So guys, definitely check them out. Yeah, Sorry to interrupt you, Mike. No, you're totally good. Their stuff is so worth mentioning. Um, so that's great. Uh, but yeah, I... Um, I think uh, I think that you know being a self learner, reading books as much as you can, um, and also writing. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I know so many people who like I'm a great writer, and they never write, um, and they're usually not a great writer <laughs> because they never write. Um, so so you know you got to write. Like if you want to get good at writing, you have to write. That's the best way to get good at writing because you have to find your voice. You have to, um, and that takes a long time. Um, it took me a long time to figure out what my personal style is and my personal voice and stuff. Uh, and then, and then you have to read the type of stuff that you want to write. That's what I highly recommend is you have to go and actively look for things that you want, that you want to mimic. Mm -hmm. So go read the stuff that you want to be writing. Uh, John Morrow was the guy I want to write. Like, so I read a ton of his stuff. Um, so yeah, go, go read, go write. Uh, and don't be afraid to buy courses on this stuff too. There's mm -hmm. so many reasonably priced courses. Like it's, you know, if you can build a career out of a 500, even a $500 course, like that, to me, that's such a no brainer. If you know that the course is going to be good quality, um, it's like, it's a, it's a, it's a crazy investment. That's an insane ROI on that. Um, so you got, you can't be afraid to invest in yourself and, uh, and take those little leaps. Um, and then also the the last thing, like in terms of writing, is uh, you have to you have to know your audience, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of writers, when they write, they're you know it's like Stephen Stephen King, "Kill Your Darlings." Um, it's it's tempting as a writer to write for yourself, and mm -hmm. when you're just practicing and you're not going to show it to anybody, absolutely do that. Have have fun, play around, write whatever you want to write, write stuff you've never written before, just see what works, experiment. But when you're writing for an audience. Like you need to be laser focused on that audience. What do they already know? You don't want to be repetitive. Uh, what do they need to know? And what do you need to learn in order to share that with them? Um, what are they interested in? What do they want? What are they afraid of? Like these are things you have to be hyper aware of when you're writing for an audience. Um, if you want them to read it, which of course you do. Uh, and so to pull them along, you really have to understand who they are and what they want. And I think that a lot of new writers think that it's about the way the words flow and how pretty it is or how artistic it is, which really isn't the case. Mm -hmm. um, it's just the actual value of the content a lot of times that keeps people reading, so. That's right. I mean, I like I'm the opposite of what you did, uh, Mike. I wish I followed a path like yours, but I got a bunch of degrees. But quickly I realized that when I was working on my business, when I was doing online writing in the very beginning, and I was like, oh my God, everything I learned from school couldn't be applied. It's yeah. like online writing, it is a totally different type of writing, which is so different from academic writing. I think you even mentioned that you didn't, you, you were not a fan of academic writing, right? And I think that is something people need to keep in mind just because they are writing good research papers it does not automatically translate into online writing. Would you agree? 
Yeah, I would. And actually, I just shared a link in the in the chat here. I hope you can see that. Um, that's yeah, the article I, I wrote for Smart Blogger a few years ago. And it's actually an analysis of the difference between academic writing and even fiction writing or writing for a book and writing online. Um, how to write a paragraph mm -hmm. in 2021. So you can see even in the introduction here, you have extremely short paragraphs. You have mm -hmm. three word paragraphs. You have one line paragraphs. Um, and that's what I talk about. If you scroll down a little bit further, I think there's a side-by-side -side screenshot, yeah, of text mm -hmm. in a book versus text in an online article. So it's a totally different ball game. You can't, you can't write, because the whole, when, when you write academically, your goal is to please the teacher. You know, your goal isn't even to learn anything. The goal is purely to get an A, right? Like the only goal is you have this one person, all their biases, all their individual, you know, and they're, by the way, they're reading like 50 of these right next to yours, right? So you just have to please that one person, whatever that looks like. That probably means just doing whatever they say to do, right? It hasn't, it has very little to do with the actual content and the actual like delivery, it's just like, do what they say. When you're writing online, people have no uh, obligation to read what you wrote at all, right? There's, there's no reason they should, should read it. Um, so you have, to, you have to convince them. You have to persuade them that with the title, you have to get them to click. Uh, with the mm -hmm. first few sentences, you have to draw on their interest. And you have, to, you have to show them that you understand them. And you have to show them... Uh, that you're you you are capable of delivering the like the value they need. So you're you're capable of giving them the answers they want, and um, explaining these things to them that they 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 desire. Uh, and and I, I, it's a totally different ball game, right? And when you start getting paid to write for companies that are going to use your writing as marketing material, like you got to draw a response. And so mm -hmm. that's where it comes in. Is it's not about pleasing this one person. In some ways, it's not even about pleasing the client. It's about making the reader, mm -hmm. making content that's appealing to the reader and is going to get them to take action. Yeah, I, I just remember I read this article talking about how online business is almost a type of direct response. You you, you share something content and there has to be a response from your audience you know, taking yep. action. So, yeah, yeah. Yep. Incredible interview. I can't believe it has been an hour already. Thank <laughs> you so much, Mike, for like, I feel so inspired by you. And also sharing all those resources. I will definitely share them in the show notes and also in the comment section. Make sure you check out all those resources that Mike recommended. So also share with us, Mike, where can people connect with you and learn more about you? And uh, I have this website here. I don't know if cool. that's the best. Yeah, that is. That's I mean, that's definitely it might it's it's not directly related to freelance writing, but um it in if you want to grow professionally and personally, I'm someone who is just perpetually uh trying to improve myself. I'm far from perfect. I don't want anyone to get that idea, but I just do try to learn constantly learn and constantly grow. And that's that's the weekly newsletter where uh, I, I write. So you can get weekly, you can learn about random stuff that I've learned recently or get advice from other experts in the industry. I interviewed Jacob McMillan, for instance, and he was in one of the articles. So there's a lot of advice in terms of growing your career, um, growing professionally, and also just growing personally. What are some daily habits that are going to make you a better person? So yeah, definitely please check that out if you're interested. And uh, this one as well. Yeah, I also like this one. Actually, I was binge reading your articles and I love how you are not only talking about 
like ICO writing, but you give people, as you mentioned, you know, personal growth, yeah. lots of inspiration. I think it's perfect for young people. So this is another company. Yes. Yeah. This is my other uh, website and blog, getyourgustoback.com. And that's just another personal development site I'm, I'm working on uh, sporadically a little bit, but you're absolutely welcome to sign up over there. I send emails and I write content and uh, that's a great place too. And incredible, just like before I let you go, just like yeah. this site you mentioned, I saw it on LinkedIn, how you have grown this site from like nothing to 2,500 monthly search traffic within a few years. And first of all, congratulations. And that Thank is you. really amazing because you know, personal growth is such a popular hot topic. I can only imagine yeah. how many people are writing about this. The fact that you got to so high, yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. Highly recommend good articles. Everyone should definitely check it out. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Yeah. And any parting piece of advice regarding online writing, creating an online business that you want to share with our listeners and viewers? I would say um, the the biggest thing, the best thing you can do is just go for it. Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't know what I was doing. I still don't know what I'm doing <laughs> in so many parts of my life. Uh, but, um, it's way better to go for it and to, uh, and to mess up than to mm -hmm. just wish that, uh, oh, there's Nathan. I know Nathan. It's <laughs> <laughs> awesome. But yeah, just to go for it and to, uh, you know, risk messing up versus not going for it and, and just never knowing if it would have been possible. So just, just be creative, you know, think outside the box, do whatever you have to do to grow your business or, grow your career, raise your rates, like just, just think journaling is extremely powerful for sitting down and thinking through mm -hmm. problems and problem solving. I just raised my rates recently and I didn't know how to do it. Um, so I just drafted like four emails and I was just like, I'm just draft emails. So I like one. And then I wrote one and I thought nobody's going to say no to that. And then I had the confidence to send it. So you just have to like, you just have to explore. You just have to explore until you have the confidence to do something. Yeah. I love it. I, I love it. I think doubling or raising on price was like a big fear among lots of like entrepreneurs. I love how you're using journaling, using writing as a channel to, you know, amazing. Thank you so much, Mike, for incredible interview. Everyone definitely, you know, follow his tips, put them into practice, do networking and connect with those like large publications and follow Mike on the other side and this side. And, uh, Thank you so much again, Mike, for an incredible interview. We literally have people from Australia, from Nigeria, from US, UK, from different countries watching this live. So incredible. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining us live. And uh, I hope to see you again next Wednesday or Thursday, same time, same location. And thank you so much again, Mike. You are such an inspiration. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Bye, everyone.